Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Are y'all tired? <laughs> yes, we're tired after yesterday. Let me uh, read for us in Luke chapter 2 our passage uh, for this morning. I've, I've tried to find people uh, whose names fit the characters in the story, but I found no angels and I found no shepherds. Uh, so I'm going to read this for you this morning. Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read 1 through 21 this morning in preparation for our time in uh, God's Word. Luke chapter 2 verse 1 says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not! For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let's pray together one one more time before we consider these truths. Father, thank you for this uh, revelation of your son's birth, the word In these words, we read about the birth of the Word and know that you have revealed yourself not only in these words, but in your Son, Jesus, the image of the invisible God, God in the flesh, incarnate. And God, I pray that we this morning would not simply wonder at these things, but would worship in response that we would look and stand and, and, and even bow in awe of, of who you are and what you've done, but, but not just awe, worship. Worship in faith, worship in obedience, worship in praise, uh, worship in sacrifice, worship in service. God, let us consider this familiar story and yet... Um, be challenged, encouraged to not just wonder but to worship, uh, even more so 
in the day, the week, and the year ahead next week. And so God help us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, yesterday was Christmas. Uh, There's no better place to be on the day after Christmas than, than here to gather together as we have been reminded of that we have the freedom to worship uh, together. This is a great place to be. Uh, I'm sure many of you got to open up gifts. You got to give gifts. Uh, our kids are realizing the, the joy of giving gifts as well as receiving gifts. And, uh, and I'm sure at some of those gifts there was wonder, right? You open it up and uh, looked at it with joy and excitement at what it was, uh, even for us as a family. Uh, a part of Christmas came a few days before Christmas when uh, we gave our family a dog. <laughs> and, and at that, uh, the kids opened up, they each opened up a different gift, and inside the gift was dog treats or dog toys or something. And you know, someone, one of them said, are we getting a dog? And I said, no, we have one. He's outside, you know. We went and saw, and the wonder and the joy on their faces was just, just huge. And, but very quickly did the wonder go away when someone needed to clean up after the dog or the dog was biting or the dog was taking that thing that, that was yours and your special thing. And um, that happens, doesn't it, at Christmas? We, we can uh, be in awe. We can wonder at certain things. But even as great as that thing that you got uh, and wanted, uh, it's going to break. It's going to wear out. Um, and none of those things that you wonder at, at least yesterday, was worthy of your worship. None of them. None of them uh, is worthy of your sacrifice like Jesus. None of them is going to last like our Savior, Jesus, whom we remember. Um, Many things we wonder at, but none of them worth our worship. And we need to remember that. We need to remember that. And this story will help us to consider that. Even consider, do we simply wonder at Jesus like we wonder at gifts and wonder at the season? Or do we worship Him? Does the wonder of Christmas and Christ continue on throughout the rest of the year in our praise and our worship and our sacrifice and our giving and and all of those things. We need to consider that. And we are finishing up uh, this uh, Christmas narrative in the book of Luke, looking at Luke 2, 1 through 21, already having looked the past three weeks at different aspects and different characters in this story as uh, as Graham has helped us to, to look at in, in that devotional, I just want to say thank you, brother. Thank you for your year's work, of uh, five years' work of thoughtfulness and, and years' work of, of putting in time to writing those devotionals to help all of us. And I hope you got to benefit from them as, as I did and get, getting to look at the characters, getting to look at the, um, the story, getting to look at the the lyrics of, of even the songs that he wrote, and, and we tried to consider those, that story, that narrative, those songs, those lyrics, uh, the past few weeks, the first week looking at um, Zechariah and Mary and Joseph and seeing that um, the angel Gabriel came to each of them telling them, foretelling them, in fact, what was to happen and to see what was their response. Was their response... Um, simply fear and doubt like Zechariah, or was it uh, belief and obedience like Joseph and Mary? What, what is our response to the gospel, um, the gospel that uh, has been told already, but even the good news of the gospel that Christ will return 
the foretelling that He will return. What is our response to that? Is it doubt? It's been 2,000 years. Is He really coming? Is He really going to do what He said? Or is it belief and obedience, knowing that He is going to return? We looked at um, the response of Elizabeth and Mary, um, that after mercy, praise was their response. Uh, Elizabeth blessing not only Mary, but the child in Mary's womb, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and, and Mary praising God for giving her this privilege and this opportunity to host the Son of God in her womb for this season and to give birth to Him. We looked at Zechariah's story uh, nine months after he doubted and uh, was disciplined by the Lord in, in making him silent, being given another chance, another chance to be obedient, another chance to walk by faith, another chance to worship the Lord, and he did just that. He named his child John, just as the angel had told him to do. And he praised and blessed the Lord as we saw in his song there in Luke chapter 1, verse 67 and, and following through the end of the chapter. Blessing the Lord and, um, and praising Him for who He is and for what He's done. And, and we get here to chapter 2 and we, we ask ourselves this question, wonder or worship? Wonder or worship? And what's interesting is As amazing as all of the details that go into this story, when you get to the birth of Christ, it's very normal. It's very simple. It it lacks that that luster. It lacks that that climax, that pinnacle uh, of praise. But it it is the, the setting in which the praise comes in the, the paragraphs following. But in looking at chapter 2, verse 1 through 7, if you're taking notes this morning, note this. The exalted one's humble descent and sovereign birth. The exalted one, that is Christ, that is Jesus, that is the Son of God, His humble descent from heaven to earth and His sovereign birth. One of the things you'll notice in this passage if you uh, reread it even later this afternoon or as we walk through it together, notice the movement uh, geographically. Notice the movement uh, up and down and and left and right. Um, We see Christ descending. We see angels descending. We see Mary and Joseph actually going up to Bethlehem, up in elevation, but south on a map. We see um, the, the shepherds moving from the fields into Bethlehem and then moving back out, and the angels going back up. There's movement happening, all of these uh, different sections uh, of, of this narrative, and they help us to, to understand what's happening, but the movement that's on display in this section is most importantly the movement of the Son of God in heaven to humbly descend here to the earth. In, in verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, in those days, those days being 15 months after this story has started back in Luke chapter 1, when Zechariah and Elizabeth were told they had a, were going to have a child, 15 months after Angel Gabriel's first words to Zechariah, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Now, it's important even to uh, just consider his name. Luke's uh, writing this gospel, Luke is a not only a doctor, but a historian trying to make these things clear for one man, Theophilus. And naming Caesar here uh, and, and, and giving his name of Augustus 
is, I think, contrasting Caesar versus Christ. Caesar Augustus being the first Caesar named Augustus, whose name Augustus means exalted one, is being compared here to Christ, who is the exalted one. And so you have Caesar Augustus here who has um, taken on this name of exalted one like the gods, the Roman gods of his day and age, and is attempting to exalt himself, being compared with the Son of God, the creator of the universe, the exalted one humbling himself. And yet in the end of the story, who's going to be exalted? Christ. Not only by the angelic hosts, but by the shepherds and all of those who would follow him by faith. And so Caesar, Augustus, sent out this decree that all the world should be registered or a census be taken. And this was the first registration when or before Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town, his own hometown. And Joseph also, he went up from Galilee, that's not north, um, that's up in elevation, went up from Galilee, since Galilee was down low by the sea, from the town of Nazareth, up to Judea, up to the hill country, to a city in the hill country, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. And so one of the things we note in this passage, not only is the exalted one's humble descent, but God's sovereign hand over the birth of Jesus Christ. So you have a pagan ruler who's exalting himself, setting up a governmental census, and the Lord uses that to get Joseph and Mary back to Bethlehem to fulfill prophecies that were told in the Old Testament. One, that the Messiah would come from the lineage of David, and two, that the the Messiah would be born in the town of David, according to Micah chapter 5, verse 2, in the city of Bethlehem. And, and we just need to step back and, and just uh, realize God's sovereign work uh, over this. Uh, God orchestrating all of the details of Christ's birth. God's sovereign hand is, is over all of history, but we see it especially in these verses, not only using um, pagan rulers, governmental rulers, but fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. And so Joseph uh, and Mary, uh, they head to Bethlehem. And in verse 5, uh, to be, he went there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, his engaged uh, wife who was with child, and obviously that child is the Christ child um, who would be born of a virgin. In verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And I, I can imagine making that journey uh, up into the hill country, uh, riding on a donkey, making it into town, Mary saying to Joseph, this baby's coming. We've got to find a place. Even her water breaking and Joseph still saying, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's Braxton Hicks. Maybe it's not quite time yet. And, and Mary saying, no, it is time. Find me this place. This is the moment in which God has orchestrated uh, for the world to be able to see the image of the invisible God, Jesus Christ. And, 
And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. There's no special Zelda onesie, Graham. There was no Instagram photographer there. There was no social media post. There was no nothing, nothing special, just simply a mom and a dad and the Christ child wrapped in swaddling cloths that they had and laid in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. You can see how humble of a state this story really is. And yet it's the Son of God being born in this moment. We have to remember that. We have to remember the Son of God humbly descending to the world, even though He is the one that ought to be exalted. We have to remember God's sovereign hand at His birth uh, so that we would worship Him and not just simply wonder at a neat little story about a, a woman having a baby in a stable, but that the Son of God was born. A, uh, a, a well-known Baptist minister in, in the earlier 1900s, he has a great quote about the incarnation of Jesus. His name is R.G. Lee, and he says this, Christ, who in eternity rested motherless upon the Father's bosom and in time rested fatherless upon a woman's bosom, clasping the ancient of days who had become the infant of days. What deep descent from the heights of glory to the depths of shame, from the wonders of heaven to the wickedness of earth, from exaltation to humiliation, from the throne to the tree, from dignity to disbasement, from worship to wrath. From the halls of heaven to the nails of earth. From the coronation to the curse. From the glory place to the gory place at the cross. In Bethlehem, humility and glory in their extremes were joined. Born in a stable, cradled in a cattle trough, Wrapped in swaddling clothes of poverty. No room for him who made all rooms. No place for him who made and knows all places. Oh, deep humiliation of the Creator. Born of the creature, woman. But in his descent was the dawn of mercy. Because we cannot, listen, ascend to Him, He descends to us. He was exalted, and yet He, he descended so that we might exalt Him and be with Him forever in heaven. This is the blessing that we have in the greatest missionary journey that has ever taken to save sinners from their sin. We need to remember this humble descent. We need to remember this sovereign birth, quite different from that of Caesar Augustus who exalted himself. Jesus was exalted and yet humbled himself. And in the end, though, will prove that he is the only one that should be exalted. Luke continues on. Uh, after describing the birth of the Savior without much fanfare, he, he was really setting the stage for what was to come. This great angelic host praising God. And again, if you're taking notes, note here 
the angel's gospel announcement and exalting worship. The angel's gospel announcement and exalting worship. And so, in that same region, again, in the hill country, in the fields outside of Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Well, as their flocks were sleeping, these shepherds were doing their best not to sleep. Uh, as their sheep were dozing off, they're doing their best trying not to doze off. And there is a heavenly alarm that is about to go off to keep them awake this night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. Filled, emphatically placed here in this, in this verse, meaning that they were overflowing with fear. Really, literally, there was no room for anything else because fear had filled them up in this place. No room for peace, no room for calmness, no room for anything else. Fear took over because it had uh, filled them up. And yet the angel said to them, fear not. Literally, the angel commands them, stop fearing. Stop doing what you're doing right now. Stop being filled with fear. Empty yourself of fear so that you can be filled with something else, essentially. Fear not. Why? For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. That is the gospel. That is the gospel on the lips of the angels. The angels who are God's messengers. They come from heaven to earth uh, following Christ with the gospel on their lips, with God's message ready to proclaim. And as soon as the Lord gave them the freedom to do so, gave them the opportunity to do so, they open their mouths, or this angel opens his mouth and proclaims the good news of the gospel. Good news. Gospel. Euangelion. That's that word right there for the good news. And not only good news, but the gospel of great joy that will be for all people. And we need to remember that. That this gospel that you and I have come to love, or that we're all at least coming to hear this morning, is the good news of great joy for all people. Not only us who have gathered together this Sunday morning, December 26, 2021, but people of all generations, of all ages. Not, not only us who are gathering here in Arlington, Texas, but those people whom we prayed for this morning in West Africa who have no freedom to worship, who have very little joy or at least much less joy than we have because they have yet to hear this good news of a Savior. The, the gospel, quote-unquote, that those people are hearing are do enough good works so that maybe at the end of your life you'll have tipped the scales in your favor when in reality there are no scales. The scales have already been tipped against us and have been thrown out. There are no scales in heaven. Uh, there's no good news for many of those people that we prayed for this morning. There's no good news for many people around the world. There's no good news for many people even in our age and in our city around us. And yet it should be for all people. It's that phrase even that is one of the things that 
causes me as a pastor of a church in a YMCA to be excited about ministering even in and through the YMCA, whose original mission was to uh, apply the gospel, Christian principles, to mind, body, and spirit for all. For all. All may not come to worship our Savior, but the gospel is for all people. And we ought to spend our lives getting it to as many as possible. Just like these angels were faithful to do in accordance with what the Lord had told them to do in the time in which He had told them to do it. And so on the angel's lips was this great gospel announcement, this good news of great joy that a Savior had been born. And how they ought to be able to find them. But not only was the gospel on their lips, worship was on their lips. Exalting worship. It says, and suddenly there was with the angel and as well, as we read earlier in verse 9, with the angel and the glory of the Lord, uh, a multitude of heavenly hosts or a multitude of angels. And what were they doing? Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. Not only was there a gospel announcement on the angel's lips, there was exalting worship for the Lord. The angels didn't simply stand in wonder at who God was. They they moved. They spoke in obedience. They spoke and praised the Lord with the truth of, of who He is. Glory. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom He is pleased. I'm thankful that the angels didn't just stand in wonder at God, but were willing to obey. We're willing to go. We're willing to take this gospel to an unlikely group of shepherds out in their fields in the middle of the night at an unlikely time. And yet they do it. They do it. They don't just stand in wonder. They move in worship. They speak in worship. They speak the good news of the gospel. And they worship with praise and glory. But what about the shepherds? These shepherds, uh, Luke tells what what they did in response to this gospel announcement. Uh, Luke tells us what they did watching the angels worship uh, and exalt the Lord, saying glory to God in the highest. The shepherds, in verse 15, we see their faithful obedience and their exalting worship. So note in verse 15, the shepherds' faithful obedience and their exalting worship as well. So when the angels went away, Luke writes, from them into heaven, there's another movement having come down from heaven, now they're going back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Note that they didn't stand in wonder and just gaze simply at the angels ascending and then stay there and just wonder with one another, wow, what a show. How cool. That was amazing, wasn't it? How lucky are we? It didn't just stop with wonder. It moved to worship. And look at the confidence In what they said, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Not, hey, let's go and see if what they said was actually true. I mean, they knew if God was going to put on a display like that, if these angels were willing to leave heaven and to come and make this gospel announcement and praise the Lord together together with this heavenly host, these shepherds knew it must be true. That all of the promises that they had heard from their parents, 
written down in the Old Testament Scriptures um, were coming true in that moment. And so they worshipped by faithfully obeying the angels to go find this child who had been wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. And it says in verse 16, they went with haste. Just like Mary, when she was told by the angel that she would carry the Christ child in her womb, she went with haste, having heard that her uh, relative Elizabeth was also with child in her elderly, elderly years. Mary went with haste to go and visit her. When they recognized that this was an act of the Lord, nothing was going to stop them. In faith, they obeyed and they went. They went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph. They knew, they probably knew where this stable was, being a place where animals were cared for, they themselves being shepherds, even if they didn't know the one that it was, they knew where the stables were in Bethlehem. And they went around to be able to find them. And when they found them, they found the baby, just as the angels had told them, lying in a manger. And when they saw, what else did they do? Not only did they faithfully obey the angel's command, which came from the Lord, but they too made this known. Like the angels, they made this known to others. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it, what's the word? Wondered. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. The, the shepherds went and saw it just as the angels had told them. And, and they couldn't keep it to themselves. Uh, they, they told Mary and Joseph, but not only Mary and Joseph, they told others. As they left that stable and went back to their fields, they're telling others. And as others are hearing that God had visited them, that Emmanuel had come, God with us, that the Son of God had took on flesh and been born of a virgin in the town of Bethlehem. In accordance with all of those Old Testament prophecies, there were some who heard it and wondered. They wondered at these things, at what the shepherds told them. But look at the contrast in verse 19. Mary... But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned. And what else did they do like the angels? Not only did they have the gospel announcement on their lips, they too had exalting worship on their lips, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. But you see, it, it's not just enough to wonder. Uh, it was this word that, that stood out because this word's been used before in this birth narrative. But in all of Luke's writings, wonder never describes belief. Never describes. Some who wonder move towards worship. They move towards belief and towards obedience but some don't. Some, but it's possible to wonder at Jesus and not worship Jesus. And this is what we have to consider this morning. Are we wonderers of Jesus? Which we ought to be. But our wonder has to move us to worship. It has to move us to the type of worship that the angels and the shepherds displayed with the gospel on our lips, with praise on our lips, exalting the one who humbly descended for us. Uh, to, to just show you this in Luke's gospel, 
the people wondered or marveled at Zechariah's delay in the temple in Luke 1.21. They wondered at, the, at John the Baptist's name not being Zechariah. People here wonder at what the shepherds tell them. Mary and Joseph wondered at what was said about Jesus in the temple in Luke chapter 2, verse 33. All people wondered at the words coming out of the mouth of Jesus in Luke chapter 4, 22. Jesus wondered at the faith of the centurion in Luke 7, 9. People wondered at Jesus when He calmed the wind and the waves in Luke 8, 25. They wondered at His miraculous power in 9.43 and 11.14. Pharisees wondered at His lack of washing His hands in 11.38. They marveled at His words, but they kept silent in Luke 20, verse 26. Peter himself even wondered at the empty tomb in 24.12. And the disciples wondered and marveled at the sight of Jesus' resurrected hands and feet. But still, Luke says, they disbelieved a few verses later. It's not enough to simply wonder at Christ and to stand in awe of Him, but to step out in faith, to walk in obedience, in worship of, of who He is and what He's not done. Graham taught us this even in his song that's titled Wonder. And the lyric says this, Because it was then that God's Spirit moved within her. Speaking of Elizabeth. And at the wonder of His plan, she then exclaimed. I don't know if He meant to do all of this. But it's teaching us this truth. At the wonder, she exclaimed at the wonder she worshiped why would god do grant this to me i don't deserve a thing but blessed are you among women mary and blessed is the fruit of your womb young mary her wonder led her to worship and that's what we have to experience as well yes be in awe of who God is and what He's done. Yes, be in awe of the Christ. Yes, be in awe of all of the promises that He's fulfilled. Yes, wonder at the fact that the Son of God who uh, was in heaven for all eternity past and created the entire universe, left His throne in heaven and descended to earth to become like one of His creatures. Wonder at it all. Wonder at the fact that He would be a child who would need to be nursed and taken care of and changed. Wonder uh, at the, the one who called animals to walk on this earth, needed to, be, needed to learn himself how to walk on this earth. Wonder at all of those things, but don't just wonder at them. Let them move you to worship. There was another group of people later in uh, the gospel, another group of undeserving uh, people who experienced something very similar. After Jesus was born, after he grew in favor and stature with the Lord, um, having lived a perfect and sinless life, he willingly he says, no one takes my life from me. I willingly lay it down. He willingly laid down his life to save sinners, to take our place, to be our substitute. He died on the cross. He was taken down from the cross. He was buried in a tomb. And yet on the third day, death could not hold him. He rose from the dead conquering uh, the punishment for our sin, which was death, and lived again, offering life and eternal life to all who would repent and believe. And after his resurrection, he lived on the earth for 40 days. 
40 days he walked on this earth appearing to many, many wondering at what they were seeing. Uh, And yet at the end of the 40 days, 10 days before the Feast of Pentecost in Jerusalem, Jesus commissioned his closest disciples to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And he promised that surely he would be with them to the very end of the age. Luke even records his version of that commission in the book of Acts. Uh, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus promises that in, in time, uh, in, in the days ahead, they would receive power when the Holy Spirit would come on them. And they would be his witnesses, they would be his testimony in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, this very place where it all started, uh, and to the ends of the earth. And yet it was in that moment, at the beginning of the, the, the book of Acts, Luke's second volume to his beloved friend Theophilus, it's at the beginning of the book of Acts when Jesus commissions that unlikely group of followers uh, to go out and to make disciples and to be his witnesses, that Jesus, having humbly descended to the earth, there righteously, exultingly ascends back to where he came from, back to heaven. And and it's at that point where the disciples and his followers in Acts chapter 1 verse 10 stand gazing, looking up into heaven wondering at what all of this means. And two men, it says, stood by in white robes, angels. And they said to them, men of Galilee, why do you stand gawking up into heaven, gazing, wondering, marveling, looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so here the disciples and the followers were at a fork in the road, just like the shepherds. Stand and wonder or go to worship. And the disciples, praise be to God, went to worship. They walked in obedience. They waited. Ten days later, God sent the Holy Spirit to come upon them. They received a power that they had never experienced uh, in the fullness of like they did in that moment. And they, like the angels, like the shepherds, had the gospel on their lips. This time in languages that they had never spoken before. And people from all around the world were able to understand them in that moment. And guess what the people's response was to their gospel proclamation? Same word, wonder, wonder. Standing, wondering at all of it. How, am I, how are we able to understand this? How are we, are, is what we're hearing true? Wondering at those things. And, and so Peter steps out in obedience even more so and proclaims the gospel even more clearly in that great first sermon of of the book of Acts. And at the end of his sermon, speaking of the fact that Jesus died and was buried and he rose again to save people, to fulfill his name, Jesus, Savior, they said, what should we do? And Peter said, repent and believe. Worship. Of which, at the end of that story, Uh, The Bible says, though all wondered and even some rebuked at the beginning of the story, there were 3,000 who worshipped at the end of it. 
it's possible to wonder and not worship. It's possible to think highly of Jesus and yet not follow him. It's possible to call yourself a Christian even, especially here, and yet not be one because you don't worship Jesus. This is true of not only all of us that are gathered here together in this room, but when you leave this place, being sent out to be the church in the world, after this Christmas, before this new year, you're going to come across people who have wondered at Jesus this year and yet will not take a step of worship uh, to Jesus. They may stand in awe and call themselves a Christian, but not be willing to, by faith, walk in obedience of what He has called us to do. And so we have the opportunity, those of us who have called ourselves Christians, to truly be just that, worshipers of Christ, afreshly this Christmas. To be like those angels and those shepherds, to take the gospel that has been made known to us and to make it known to others, and to worship, to praise, to glorify God, who is the exalted one and yet humbly descended to this earth, sovereignly orchestrating our salvation for us because we couldn't accomplish it for ourselves. Let me end in uh, this uh, in, in this way, reading a, a poem that, I, again, as I have had the privilege of reading several of these this Christmas season, have uh, read in a church history book, In the Day of Our Lord, by Sinclair Ferguson, several of uh, these uh, historical writings, uh, I felt, portrayed the incarnation, the birth of Christ well, and so I've saved them up this year. Uh, ready for this season. And this one is, is entitled, A Great and Mighty Wonder. Uh, written by a man named Germanus who lived uh, in the 6s and 700s and was the patriarch of Constantinople, was recognized as a, a saint or is recognized as a saint by both the Eastern and Western churches. Uh, and while we may not agree with all of his theological um, foundations, uh, he got this right regarding the sovereign birth and humble descent of the exalted Son of God. He understood the good news of the gospel in Christ's birth, and he understood that it was to be proclaimed and made known to all the world. And he understood that the only right response was not simply wonder, but worship. And so listen, listen closely. He wrote, a great and mighty wonder, a glorious mystery. The virgin bears the infant who veils his deity. Proclaim the Savior's birth to God on high be glory and peace to all on earth. The word becomes incarnate and yet remains on high and cherubim sing anthems to shepherds from the sky proclaim the savior's birth to god on high be glory and peace to all on earth while thus they sing your monarch those bright angelic bands Rejoice, O vales and mountains, and oceans, clap your hands. Proclaim the Savior's birth. To God on high be glory and peace to all on earth. Since all He comes to ransom, by all be He adored, the infant born in Bethlehem, the Savior and the Lord. Proclaim the Savior's birth. To God on high be glory and peace to all on earth. All idols then shall perish, and Satan's lying cease, and Christ shall raise his scepter, decreeing endless peace. Proclaim the Savior's birth, to God on high be glory, and peace to all on earth. Let's not just wonder 
at Jesus like we wondered at our gifts yesterday. And let us not worship our gifts yesterday as we ought to only worship Christ. Let's allow our wonder of Christ this Christmas to move us into sacrificial, generous, servant-hearted worship that proclaims the Savior's birth this day, this last week of the year, and all next year as Christians, but even more specifically, as Christ's church locally here as the fields. Let's do that well. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that we would be in awe of you, wonder at you every day, open up the Scriptures, uh, have our minds opened, our hearts opened, our ears and eyes opened afresh to who you are and to what you have done. Lord, I ask that you would help us wonder every single morning at who you are, but that our wonder would spur us on to worship. Worship, not just in praise and song on Sunday morning, but worship, as Paul says in Romans 12.1, that we would lay down our lives as living sacrifices, holy, set apart, and pleasing to you. God, I pray that you would uh, help us as husbands in this room to set that example well for our wives and for our children. God, I pray for the wives and even mothers that they would show what it looks like to live lives of worship this week and next year. God, I pray for each and every person as, as a Christian here that they would be in awe of you, being willing to lay down their life, whether it's their time, whether it's their job, whether it's their gifts and talents or the resources you've given them. God, I pray for our children here, whether they understand the words that have come out of our mouths this morning or not, whether they've just been born this year or whether they've been born again, I pray that they would come to wonder at you, but not just wonder, but worship. God, may we be known as worshipers, not simply wanderers. And God, I pray that you would help us as you have promised to do so by the power of your Holy Spirit, promise to never leave us or forsake us, to be with us to the end of the age. You promise to return, help us to live expectantly, like those shepherds lived expectantly. And when they heard the good news, they knew that the promise was being fulfilled. Lord, if you choose to return during our time here on this earth, may we so await your return and be so ex expectant of it that when we see its signs, we would recognize it and give you thanks and praise. God, I pray that you would be with those whom we've prayed for in Mauritania this morning, but also those in our own mission field, whether it be neighbors or friends or family members that we'll be meeting with in the coming days, that we would be like the angels and the shepherds and make the good news of great joy known to any and all who come across our path, inviting them to not just wonder, but to worship in repentance and faith. May that be one of our greatest acts of worship May that be one of the things that people talk about us when we die here on this earth. 
that we spent our life making known the good news of great joy so that people would worship you. We ask and pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and let's worship him in song together as Christ Church.